by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, tonight we're going to talk about humility. There was this guy named Bob. He got a promotion at his job, and uh, he got to be vice president, and he just couldn't stop telling everybody. He was the kind of guy that was lording it over everybody. I, hey, I'm a VP now. You know, he's telling everybody to the point his wife just can't take it anymore. She says, Bob, you know, VP don't mean that much anymore. You know, everybody's a VP. They got VPs of peas down at the supermarket. Well, Bob's ego got a little deflated. He got on the phone. He called the supermarket. He said, let me talk to your VP of peas. She said, did you want fresh or frozen? <laughs> Pride is overrated. Say, pride is overrated. Pride is overrated. It's not all it's cracked up to be. If you remember two weeks ago, we had a, uh, well, last week we had Glenn Roseberry here, missionary, and shared, but before that we had started a series on Daniel. So we're going to continue that series. Uh, the first one was talking about compromise. You remember Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they had all been, uh, taken as exiles into the land of Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and he had, he had started the Babylonian Empire, of course, and was ruling the world. And they were being trained to be advisors to the king. And the first thing they were trying to do is tempt them or, you know, turn them into pagans just like they were. And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel were all Israelites. They served the Lord the God that we serve. And uh, God had told them certain things about their diet and, and so forth. And they didn't want to compromise. And they didn't compromise. And because they didn't compromise, what happened? They were blessed, we, we found out. So we talked about that two weeks ago. But tonight's message is part two on Daniel. And it starts in chapter two. And tonight's topic is going to be humility. So when you don't compromise, you also got to work on your humili humility. Daniel chapter two. If you got your Bibles, we can put it on the board. We'll start in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had some disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. Can you say false advisors? <laughs> Magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. That's his advisors. Anyway, before we go any further, let me just stop right there. If you're a Christian, don't consult these things. Just flat out. You say, why, Pastor? You know, I like to, you know, I'm a Libra or I'm a Cancer, and I like to see what, you know, is going to happen tomorrow, you know. Well, don't do that. Deuteronomy 18.10 says, do not let your people practice fortune-telling, use sorcery, interpret omens, or engage in witchcraft or casting spells, or function as mediums or psychics, or call forth spirits from the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And you say, well, I didn't see astrology in that, but 
If you look over in Isaiah 47, 13, it, it continues about things that's detestable for the Lord. So don't do that. God's saying, why would you go consult a man about the future when he don't know? I am the Lord God that tells you things to come. And as you'll see, he does that in Daniel chapter 2 here. So anyway, in verse 2, he, he calls in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. But the funny thing is, is King Nebuchadnezzar, well, how about we just call him King Nebo, because we'll be here all day for me pronouncing that all night. But King Nebo, he won't even tell them what the dream was, but expects them to interpret it, and if they don't, he says he's going to kill them. So that's kind of putting you in a spot. <laughs> even the false advisors realize that, hey, that's not going to work. How, how are we supposed to know how to interpret your dream? You won't even tell us what the dream is. Only a God could do that. And that's the only thing they probably ever got right. It's true. Only God can interpret dreams like that. Anyway, we often face impossible situations in, in our life, right? I know, I know all of us have at one time or another faced something that only God could have saved you. And obviously he did, or you wouldn't be here tonight, right? Uh, you know, I've often talked about my brother with stage four lung cancer. Had cancer in his lymph nodes. That means it's spreading. Had a tumor in his brain. We found all this out in like a series of a couple weeks. The doctors, you know, secretly were telling each other, he won't live past a year, you know. He won't, if, if that long. Because, how do I know that? Because I talked to one of his doctors the other day, and they said, is he still alive? They couldn't believe it. They, he said, the doctor said flat out, that's a miracle. He said, I can count on one hand the amount of the guys that's lived past a year with what he had. And it's been like four or five years and he's cancer free. So our God can save. Amen. I think about Mitch giving his testimony up here Sunday about him and Angela. He can save a marriage. He can save a family. God can, can his arm is not too short. He can save and you're probably thinking of something right now in a, in a situation he saved you. And sometimes it's only God that can promote us. 20 years ago, you talk to somebody that knew me and tell them I'm a pastor, <laughs> I'm going to be a pastor. I don't think so. Only God could do that was what they would say. And he did. There was this kid... I played baseball with back in the day when I you know, was 16 or 17 years old. He was a couple years younger, but he had moved up and was playing on a bigger team. And uh, I can't remember the situation, but it was one of those uh, dugout clearing brawls where both teams met on the field. And, and, you know, most of the time you just go out there and you act like you're going to hit somebody and everybody's not really wanting to fight, but they're all just out there doing that number there, you know. Well, this one kid, the young kid, he's out there. He's just going at it, man. And he's swinging on everybody, and they're... Our guys are trying to hold him back, and, and another guy from another team tried to get him, and he's clawing at him with his steel cleats, you know. I said, that guy's a little wildfire there. Well, that guy uh, was Darren Musselwhite, and he's your mayor now, so <clears throat> only God can do certain things. Little old Darren, uh, he's al almost big as me now. But uh, anyway, King Nebo his advisors can't tell him what his dream was because they don't know what his dream was. And so he says, okay, all my advisors, kill him. 
I mean, this, is, this guy's not right in his thinking, you see. But this includes Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? Because they're being trained to be advisors to the king one day. They may have, have uh, you guys ain't as happy as this kid or what? But uh, so this includes Daniel. And so they send somebody to go get Daniel and them because they're going to bring them in and have them all killed with the rest of the advisors. Can you say panic time? If, if you were Daniel, what would you be thinking? Hey, they're fixing to come get you. The king said you're sort of like if the, you know, the doctor calls you after hours about your CAT scan or something, you know, or your boss calls you in on a Friday afternoon after you got paid and he's been passing out pink slips. Or the IRS gives you one of those threatening letters, you know. Panic time. I mean, you know what goes on in your heart when you see those things. But in verse 16, it says, Daniel went at once to see the king. Instead of running from the king, he decided to address it. What would you have done? The king's coming to get me to kill me? I'd be, Phew. I'm gone, you know. They're going to have to chase me down. But Daniel, it says, went to see the king, and he requested more time. To tell the king what the dream meant. More time. That's a mark of a man who's walked with God a while. He doesn't panic. He doesn't rush. He doesn't get all bent out of shape and ra make rash or hasty decisions. Like I said, I'd have been out of there. Or at least I'd have fought the guy, guard that came and got me. Or I'd have said, oh, I can tell the king. And I'd have tried to make up something, you know, in front of the king. And I'd have got myself killed. You know. But... Daniel stalled for more time. Why? Well, because Daniel wanted to pray about this. We learn that if, if at all possible, make time to pray before you just let your fear overtake you. T take a moment. Take a deep breath. <laughs> if that's all you got, I, mean, I know sometimes you're driving down the road and somebody pulls out in front of you, you ain't got time to pray. Lord, should I take a left or a right? <laughs> you know, Sometimes you've got to make a rash, rush decision. But if at all possible, and most of the time it is, sometimes we, we put the, the rush on ourselves, don't we? But uh, it's like those used car salesmen, you know. You can have it for $9,995.95 today only, you know. They're trying to put a rush on you. You know, while supplies last. You know, get yours now or forever hold your peace. It won't be... <laughs> Be here tomorrow. <clears throat> Why? They're trying to make you rush into a decision. The devil is always trying to get you to rush and make a mistake. That's where you make mistakes. When you rush a decision, it's often the wrong decision, as I've learned. Anyway, if you rush, you take God out of the equation. So slow down and act like, you, act like you've been there before because you guys have. You face things, you face trials. You know, when the doctor calls or your boss calls or the IRS calls or your girlfriend or boyfriend calls and your wife's there with you, no, just, uh, <laughs> whatever the situation, you know, calm down, take a deep breath. God's got it under control, and if you'll consult him, that's what you need to do. Consult him. He'll give you the wisdom to get through it. So anyway... First thing Daniel does is he talks to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and says, Hey, guys, look, the king's about to kill all of us. If we don't interpret this dream, we don't, he won't even tell us what the dream is. But look, we know somebody 
who knows. We know somebody who can get the job done. And, and you do too. You always know somebody with the answer. You may not have the answer. None of, none of your friends that are sitting on the purple pew with you may have the answer. But you know somebody who has the answer. I can guarantee it. Because that's who we're talking about. Anyway, so Daniel realizes that there's great power in agreement and corporate prayer. When you come together, nothing gets God's attention like when his people get together and they pray together. And they besiege the gates of heaven, you know, on behalf of what they're looking to get. That gets God's attention. He likes that kind of stuff. Sometimes we think, well, we don't want to bother God. Come on now. God's omnipresent, omnipotent. He can, he can, it's no thing too big for God. He wants to be involved in your situation. And so when y'all come together, and that's what we do here at Corporate Prayer on Tuesday nights, you know. We pray for people that, that come up in the Spirit. We pray about our decisions, where this church is going next, what outreach we're going to do, what the children's church needs to do, what, you know, just anything that, that comes to mind. And we don't even know what we're going to pray when we get here. A lot of times, we, that's why we pray in the Spirit. Romans 8, 28 says the Spirit gives us utterance. You know, we don't know what the, how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit gives us utterance with groanings which cannot be uttered. And we begin to pray it out in the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit, and we pray in the understanding. We sing in the Spirit, we sing in the understanding, and God begins to help us pray. God will even help you ask for the right things. He's pretty awesome. Jeremiah 33 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He'll answer. Man, he's, he's better than Google. Wikipedia. I mean, those things are good now. I, I use them all the time. He's better than Surrey. Is that the, how you pronounce it? Your little iPhone? Who has an iPhone? Anyway... What do they call the one on the Android? Huh? There ain't one? The voice. <laughs> anyway, guess what happened? They prayed and they prayed and God answered. That's the way, it's, that's the way it happens. God's not trying to withhold information from us. He just wants you to seek it. They prayed, and Daniel had a dream, and the, and the mystery of King Nebo's dream was revealed to him. God knows how to answer us if we want to hear from him. I, you know, all the time people say, I can't hear from God. I can't hear from God. Are you listening for God? When you pray, do you take time to see if he has anything to say back? Or do you just go through your list of things that you want or something, you know, or or the way I used to be is so bad under condemnation. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry about that. I'm, and just beat myself up in prayer. And God's, I, I can imagine him up here. Oh, here he goes again. You know, I, done, I forgave him for that 26 years ago. And he's bringing it back up, you know. But I'm, he's so patient with me. I would have stopped talking to me a long time ago if I was God. But he's always there. And, it, and if we'll, we'll make time to listen as well as talk. We'll learn to hear his voice. And the voice of a stranger we won't follow. We won't have to because we'll know the voice of our God. Psalms 145, 18 says, The Lord is close to us all who call on him. He's close to us. Yes, 
to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and he rescues them. I have found if I can just quiet my soul in prayer for maybe just 10 minutes, whatever that I need from God, whatever questions that I have will begin to be answered. Sometimes it takes longer, but most of the time, in this society that we live, we can't cut that phone off. We can't even set it down. We can't cut the radio off. We can't cut the TV off. We can't get away from the children. It, we cannot be alone. With, that's why I believe it says to walk with God. I started walking with God. Get out of the house and, you know, just go down the sidewalk and walk around the neighborhood just to get away. But find a place where you can get in a quiet place. Because he's going to speak to you in here, right? The Spirit of God speaks to you in your spirit. It's going to come from the inside. It's not going to typically be in an audible voice. But if you can give him 10 minutes, you've got a problem. Some of you have been going around the same mountain with the same problem for 20 years. And you don't, I don't know what to do. I can't, I can't, I, I can't fix it. I'm trying, I'm trying. I just don't know what to do. 10 minutes of uninterrupted quiet time. God will begin to at least show you the first step to getting out of that, out of that rut. I can almost promise it. I can't speak for God, but I can t speak for the way he's been in my life. I hope that encourages somebody to pray. Maybe, maybe there's somebody in your family that you're praying for, some hard-hearted person that, you know, just, I don't need no God. I don't believe in that stuff, you know. You've got people like that, and you've tried to talk to them, maybe, or you don't know what to say to them. You seem to be getting nowhere. Well, grab some people and say, hey, let's begin to pray for my uncle or so-and-so, or call me up, and we'll put it on the prayer list for Tuesday night. We love to pray for folks that God would send laborers across their path or that God would begin to speak to them in the night seasons or in dreams and visions. Do you believe that God still does that? I know for sure he does. In fact, Glenn Roseberry was up here last week, and he said that the, the Muslim imam came to the Lord because the, Jesus kept coming to him in dreams. This guy gets paid by the religion of Islam. He's one of the head guys in it. He's an imam, which is like a pastor or more, in their religion. He already memorized the Koran to be where he's at. And God's given him dreams so powerful of revealing Jesus to him that he, he comes to the Lord, gives his heart to Jesus, and renounces Islam and has to go into hiding, give up his family and everything that he has. But it's because God does visit his people. And I bet somebody must have been praying for that imam. In the last days, God says in Acts 2.17, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. But listen to this. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. That's why I still see visions. <laughs> Gary, I don't know where you're at now. Don't, I'm, I'm dreaming. <laughs> I, I, I'll take either one. Dreams, visions, circumstance. Another brother or sister coming up to me. Hey, I heard from God because you're too hard-headed too, and he told me to tell you this. You know, that's the way it is a lot of times. But you've got to be careful about that. But anyway, 
The funny thing is, is that Daniel gets this revelation of what the king's dream was. And what does he do? I know what I'd do. I'd been, boom, I'm going to go tell the king. But Daniel takes time to stop and praise God first. Remember we was talking about a couple weeks ago, the ten lepers that were cleansed, and only one came back to give God thanks? Do you notice that prayer and thanksgiving typically go together in the Bible? It's for a reason. Look, you don't even have to have the result yet. You can pray and then start thanking God already. Prayer plus thanksgiving equals faith. Faith calls those things which be not as though they were. It's asking God for it and then thanking him before you even get it because you know it's coming. That's what faith does. It reaches out and believes God. I can go ahead and thank him now. I ain't even got to wait. And so Daniel gets his answer, and at least he stops to give God praise. And so many times I forget to do that, and I know you probably do too. We ask God for something, and when we get it, it's like we're so used to being so spoiled and blessed by God that we stop and say, why don't we, God, I'm sorry, thank you, thank you, before I run off and spend that money or run off and wreck that car he gave me or some whatever. Did I mention that, uh, this is total side note, you know, we had to get Kaylee a new car because she ran into a deer about a couple years ago and we got her this new car and then had to rebuild the motor and stuff right off the bat and, and she ran into another deer last night. Yeah. Poor thing. I feel so sorry for her. She bought that car, too. I didn't buy the second one. Anyway, that was just for your own knowledge. Pray for Kaylee. Poor thing's brokenhearted. All right, Daniel. Second chapter, now we're in verse 20. This is what Daniel, this is how Daniel praises God. I think it's awesome. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever. When you say forever, that should cover it. But when you add another ever, you're just excited, right? For forever and ever. For he is all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and he sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in the darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank you and I praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we ask of you, and you reveal to us what the king demanded. He stopped and gave God glory, gave him thanks. Man, if you can keep a thankful heart towards God, you'll be a happy person. I'm telling you, some of you mope around a big portion of your life, and you, you always see the glass half empty, and, and you, you, know, you just wonder where your joy is. Learn to be thankful. Just stop and start thanking God. Well, I don't have nothing to be thankful for. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. Yeah, y'all know it's always something to be thankful for. You can be in the worst situation ever, and you can say, you know, I'm not going to say that. At least I'm not. No. <laughs> Someone else, you know, that's in a worse situation. So Daniel, he praises God, then he goes before the king. And King Nebo says, so you can interpret my dreams? What would I have said? Yeah, King, what'd you think, man? You hired me as an advisor, man. Them other cats don't know nothing compared to me. I came loaded for bear. I know what I'm doing. 
I'm the man. Get your billfold out, uh, king, because I'm finna show you the real deal. Right? I mean, that's the way you could. If you know what you know and God's given you, man, go for it. Get, get what you can, you know. No, king. Uh, Daniel didn't, didn't do that. He said, uh, king, no man can know what I'm about to tell you. No man could have known this. Your advisors, none of us. They were right. Only God could know. But I'm going to tell you about the God that did know. It's my God. And Daniel refuses to take credit, and he gives all the glory to God. Man, we're, <laughs> I'm sorry, but we're hitting on some heavy points here tonight. I'm talking stuff that will change your life forever. And it's all just found in chapter 2 of Daniel <laughs> in this whole book, you know, this one page. Imagine if we read the rest of it. <laughs> okay. Are you a glory hog? If you're a glory hog, you always got to have the glory for yourself and you don't give any glory to God. When he gives you something, you consider it yours and you can use it how you want to make yourself look good for your own benefit. You know, you, you use whatever it is to get you more stuff. That's probably why you don't get more from God than you do. Because if you'll give him the glory, man, he's going to get more to you. That's a person that's bringing glory to me. And you say, well, why does God need all the glory? Is he some kind of egomaniac? What is God all about needing all this praise and all this glory? Well, look, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, all men will be drawn to me. That's what, he, he is life. He is the answer. For everything that anybody could ever need, he is it. And if he can get you drawn to him and, and get repentance in your heart and give your heart to Jesus, then he can correct everything else. He is the source of all things, you understand? He created all things. He's our creator. He's our sustainer. He owns everything. He deserves all the glory, first of all, and more than we can give more than we could ever muster up. He deserves it all. And then when we give it all, and he's high and lifted up, then we advance his kingdom. Now, when we take the glory and we're all high and lifted up, we just smell bad. We just look prideful and arrogant and does no good for anybody. It makes people shy away from the kingdom of God. So give God the glory. Give glory where glory is due. We don't need the glory. Isaiah 42, 8 says, I am the Lord. That is my name. <laughs> I like that. I am the Lord. That is my name. And my glory will I not give to another. He's not going to share it with you. So if you're trying to share the glory with God, you know, God, I got all these notches on my belt for what I did. You know, these are how many people I got saved and all this glory hogging, you know. Me and God did this and all that. Come on, man. He can't get through you what he wants to get to you because you're hogging up the glory and he's not going to share his glory. Just give him all the glory. So Daniel reveals the king's dream and he gives the interpretation. And uh, if you start in verse 31... Daniel 2, verse 31. I'm going to read this interpretation, this dream. 
so you have an idea of what it was all about. He says, In your vision, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge, shining statue of a man. Just this huge statue. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. The chest and the arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron, and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watched, <laughs> I think it's cool that he's telling the king what he dreamed. He doesn't stop to say, am I on track here? Is that ringing a bell with you? Is that what you saw? <laughs> he's so confident. He knows that what God told him is the truth. He doesn't even stop to ask that anywhere along the way. He's just telling the king. And he said, as you watched, a rock was cut from a mountain, not by human hands, and it struck the feet of iron and clay and it smashed them to bits and the whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. So the whole thing came tumbling down and was smashed to little bits. And then the wind blew. Blew it away without a trace, without chaff on the, like chaff on the threshing floor. You know, chaff is real light. It's just a little light wind. <laughs> Blowed it away. But that rock knocked the statue down, became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That rock that was cut out of the mountain, not with human hands, knocked that statue down, and then it became a huge mountain that covered the whole earth. It says that was the dream. Now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you ruler over all the inhabitable world and has even put you over the wild animals and put the birds under your control. You are that head of gold. So he says, King Nebo, God has enriched your life. He has given you the power to do the things you're doing. See, King Nebo has been sitting there this whole time thinking, I'm all that. I'm the leader of the free world. I, by my own hand, have established all this. But here, Daniel is telling the king, no king, God gave you this power, this sovereignty, this ability to put the whole world under your control. And you are the head of gold, not because you're all that, but because God made you all that. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise and take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom represented by the bronze, will rise to rule in the world, followed by another kingdom. There will be a fourth one as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all the previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. So he's mentioned the, the gold, the silver, the bronze, and now he's on the iron. And he said the iron is you know, the strongest of all the metals, and it's going to crush the memory of all the rest of them. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be, div <coughs> be divided. <coughs> so this fifth kingdom is made out of iron and clay. It's that represents the feet. It says, like iron mixed with clay, it will have some of the strength of iron. But while some of the parts will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. The mixture of iron and clay also shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage but they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. You know, you can put two substances together and you can ball them up, but some of them are just not going to mix. And iron and clay will not mix. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom 
that will never be destroyed or conquered. Now, I know I'm reading a lot of stuff here, but are, are you listening? Because this is God's interpretation. This is God speaking about future events. It was future back then. Is it still future today? We'll talk about that. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. He's talking about that rock. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands. It says that twice. No human had anything to do with this rock. <clears throat> that crushes to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. This dream is true, and its meaning is certain. In other words, God has sealed it. It's going to happen. There's nothing we can do about it. So he's saying, he's predicting. He's all the way at the head where he's at now of gold, but he is predicting one, two, three, four kingdoms in the future. Isn't that awesome? Only... Only our God with the great wisdom to see yesterday, today, and forever like it's all at one time could do such a thing. Them astrologers, them sorcerers and, and such, they're, they're just guessing. The best they can do is hear from a demon, <laughs> you know. That's about the best they can do is come up with something a demon told them, whispered in their ear, that knew something they shouldn't have known or something. But God, he's so awesome. He uses... a the biggest king ever in the earth, probably King Nebuchadnezzar, he was over the whole Babylon Empire, the Golden Kingdom. He uses him like a puppet. <laughs> Just uses him to advance his prophecy. Isn't that awesome? Just to tell the world, he uses him. He gives him the dream. And then he uses Daniel. We see, we serve a God that's so much stronger than any human being, so much wiser, intelligent than we are. He baffles our wise men, and he scoffs at our royalty. He toys with the earth's kings like they're just little plastic toy soldiers. You know, he, he, he's so far above our ways, he, but he blesses the humble. But he'll bring down the prideful. You know what he'll do? He'll do what he wants to do. Our God can do what he wants to do. He can use natural means. He can use supernatural means. He can use ordinary circumstances, or he can use a miracle. He can use somebody super smart and brilliant, or he can use you. He, he can do what he wants to do. People look at the miracles in the Bible and say, I just don't, can't believe they you know, parted the Red Sea. and what, they, would, they must have went in the shallow end or something, you know. And they, they, have to make, they have to come up with a natural way in their mind to, to reason out what God does. When somebody flings the universe into existence by the word of his mouth, I think he can pretty much do anything he wants to do within that universe. He doesn't need our permission to do it by the way the, the, the textbook says. And the people that say... Uh, Theory of evolution and so forth. Well, we have scientific evidence that says this was so many millions of years old or whatever. Well, what if God created the earth already in an aged state? 
What if the earth is only 6,000 years old like the Bible says, but he created it with rocks in it that were hundreds of millions of years old? Don't trifle with our God. Don't make yourself out to be a fool. Don't come against the Lord of glory himself, the creator of all things. Yep, King Nebo had nearly conquered the entire world. and He was thinking mighty highly of himself. But God showed him the truth. And he showed him that all the kingdoms of this world, they may look impressive and scary, that big statue. Ooh. They may look like that big, scary statue. But when it comes down to it, the feet on that thing is about ready to give way. It's got a faulty structure. It's all coming down, and it's all going to be powder in the end, and it ain't none of it going to mean anything. None of those kingdoms will, end, will be here in the end. There'll be one kingdom, and it'll be the kingdom of our God, which will last forever and ever and ever. Goodbye, Babylonians, Persians, Medes, Romans. Goodbye, superpowers. It'll be the kingdom of our God. Give glory to our God while you still can. Reverence and fear your Lord. Isaiah 2.11 says human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. There'll be nobody, not one single person in heaven saying, yeah, me and God are tight, that's why I'm here. You know, because all my money he brought me in, he needed me. I had more toys than anybody else, that's why I'm here. Or I, I, won, I won more souls to the Lord. It, it don't matter what your boast is. It's nothing before our heavenly king. He is Lord of lords, the prince of peace, the great I am. He gets all the glory. Lay down whatever you have taken up and give it to him. Roll it over on him. And when you get to heaven, just take your load of crowns and cast them at his feet and give glory where glory is due. You know, Moses didn't even enter into the promised land after wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Why? Because of one simple thing. God told him to speak to the rock and it shall bring forth water. And Moses, in his anger at them knuckleheads, took his stu stick and hit the rock twice and said, must I always give y'all water every time you're fussing? And he lost his temper and he struck the rock twice. And God says, because you showed me that dishonor, Moses, and you took the credit for the water coming out of the rock, you'll not enter into the promised land. Well, you think that's harsh. God, why would you be so harsh? Moses did so much good and just one time he messed up. Well, it was important because, see, Moses was a type shadow of, of the law. He's, he brought the law down from the mountain. And no flesh will be saved by the law. And so when he struck that rock, which was symbolizing of Jesus Christ, he was saying that the word brought forth the, the living water. But the word couldn't bring, the, the law couldn't bring forth the living water. It is the spirit of our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, that brings life. It's only in him that you have salvation. And it was only through him that they could cross over. It wasn't by the works of the law. It was by faith in the Son of God that they crossed over. And 
Joshua, being a type shadow of Jesus, brought them across. So it matters. It matters when we, when we try to hog for ourselves some kind of glory. Don't do it. The story ends in uh, at least the second chapter of Daniel in verse 47. King Nebo said to Daniel, truly, your God is the greatest of gods. This prideful pagan king who's half crazy, even he recognizes <laughs> that your God is the greatest of gods. He's Lord of over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Even the pagan king could recognize the glory of our God. God's name was magnified and Daniel was rewarded with gifts and more power than he had before. And guess what? That, my friends, is how we change the world instead of letting the world change us. He had more power and more influence over these pagans than he did before. By being humble, by giving God glory, and letting him work through us, and we just stay out of the way and do what he says. He simply gave God the glory. Humble Daniel sought the Lord. And I'll tell you somebody else who showed such great humility. It was Jesus himself. The one who created everything. It was all by him and for him. It was all created to give him glory. And he came down from glory. And he humbled himself to the cross, to death, for our sakes. He got down on his knees and he washed his disciples' feet. He said in the garden, if there be any other way, Father, but nevertheless not my will but thine be done. In every way, Jesus showed us a picture of humility, God himself. Born in a manger. First people to hear about him are the lowly shepherds. Everything about Jesus' life showed humility. If God himself can come down from heaven and paint such a picture of humility, what are we doing trying to take up some, some credit? It's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Could I get you to pray with me for just a moment? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to ask you a question. I don't, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know if you're thinking, hey, I go to church. I'm a good person. I don't know what you, what, you know, where you're taking the credit. But like I said, no man is going to glory before God. You're not going to get to heaven and say, you know, anything but, oh, praise the Lord Jesus. He's my Savior. The only thing you're going to be able to say is that, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. I made him Lord. If you're trying to say anything else, then uh, you're taking credit. It's like striking that rock. It's like a... It's an, like an affront. It's like a smack in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is... The only one that can provide that living water that will sustain us eternally.
If you've never given your heart to him, if you're thinking, man, I got to be this, I got to be that to get to heaven, you're just thinking wrong. You just, you, you just need to know that we're saved by grace, Ephesians 2 says. Saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That it is a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you're thinking any other thing than just receiving Jesus as Lord of your life, if you're thinking any other way is going to get you there, then you just, just haven't heard the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. And while you were yet sinners, I died for you. And I know you've sinned and fallen short of my glorious standard. But if you'll repent in your heart, and confess me as Lord, and believe in your heart that I was raised from the dead, I'll adopt you into my family and save you and give you eternal life. And it'll start right here and right now. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart or you've thought it was about other things and you want to make Jesus Lord and give him control, you just want to give him the glory, and you're, you want to take that weight and responsibility off of yourself and know that all you have to do is follow him. You don't have to be something, be somebody. You are somebody. And he wants to show you. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus, I'd like to pray for you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.